Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 340, and today we'll be talking about Flyaway from Mau Mau. Here is a pure heart. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Well, physics recital could not prevent a doorbat from going to the dentist, but apparently transcendental meditation could. Or more specifically, does this form of meditation have a name? Hmm. I don't think they got into detail. It's often called something like astral projection. They did specifically mention the astral plane. Yeah, astral projection through subconscious repression. Well, conscious fears repression into the subconscious. That's that's a that's a short summary. I uh I'd like to the detail that only fear of the dentist is strong enough to send you to the astral plane. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a very mau mau detail. Well, and in the world of Mau Mau, dental pain is a great excuse to leave your body because the instruments of dentists in this universe, at least near Pure Heart Valley, are quite terrifying. Yeah, they spend a lot of money on advanced consumer goods, but their dentists seem to be stuck in the Middle Ages. Uh, that was a pretty advanced, like, drill with other drills popping off of the drill. I mean, that thing looked pretty, uh... Almost steampunk, you know? Well, except it's probably powered by Mm. gasoline, but you know. Mm. Probably diesel, actually. You don't want to be starting any fires in a dentist office. (laughs) No, but also that drill could have torn a doorbat's body into pieces. Just, I don't know how it operated on a tooth, but that's fine. See, that's why they go to dental school. They know how to do these things. So the the conceit of this episode is that once a doorbat leaves her body, that prevents them from taking her to the dentist. Why? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Just just take her and get her operated on. The only thing, I wish they had just said in something. Like, I mean, the Badger Cops could have said something like, well, this is a bad look for us. Like, (laughs) anything to just excuse that, oh, you know, maybe if we just show up to the dentist with this dead-looking bat, that maybe they won't accept us, you know? Like, maybe us saying, oh, she's just <laughs> meditating right now, wouldn't cut it. I think the idea was that they were very worried that she would go too far, that they would not be able to get her back. So they, they kind of prioritized getting her back rather than, eh, she'll come back on her own. Yeah. I mean, just imagine giving Melvin another hour to work her over at watching all the horrific things that are being done to her tooth, uh, she might genuinely decide never to come back after that. That is a good justification. They cared more about making sure Adora Bat wasn't lost forever. I'll I'll take it. They didn't have to say it out loud. Clearly, they both actually care about Adora Bat. It's just I'm so used to these. <laughs> these two guys being so incompetent that, you know, would Badger Clops or Mau Mau care? But actually, they, they care about Adora Bat quite a bit, much more than anyone else. So it makes sense. I liked the joke about uh, getting heavier rather than lighter as your soul leaves your body. Yeah, that's such a great idea. Or it might be specific to a doorbat because, you know, she has such a uplifting spirit. That was a great insight from Badger Clops. But yeah, whoever came up with that in the writer's room. I mean, you know, in general, like with uh, what's it called? Rigor mortis. A body would become more stiff, yeah, not heavy. No, but like, I don't know. It's like cumbersome. Like, I don't know if you've ever uh, lifted a dead body. No, I'm trying to think of what the equivalent is. I don't know. Someone who's like stiff versus limp is just way different to carry. Maybe I'm calling back not to my days of grave robbing, but of, uh, you know, having a little brother that 
depending on when you picked him up, <laughs> if he was stiff or limp, uh, would would change the outcome of how far you could throw him. Now, uh, Burn Notice promised me that if you go limp, you're much more annoying to carry, so... Uh, but that was versus struggling, so... Well, and that makes sense, because the Dorbat's actually super limp here, and they seem to really be struggling to get her anywhere. <laughs> it takes two of them to try to lift her onto the aerocycle. Yeah, uh, but Badgerclops' arm cannon is still able to fire her body just fine. I'm... Why did she taunt him? You guys missed it. It hit her! It just you know, didn't work because she has to want it. Right, yeah. You can't force a spirit back into its body. So this this whole astral plane is interesting. But before we even get to that, good old Meditating Melvin mentions that there's actually <laughs> three realities, uh, the actual real reality, the astral plane, and the schnep realm? Is that a joke yeah, I'm I've... missing, or is that like one of those little throw it in there and then we'll reference the schnep realm later? Type of thing. I just assumed that that was a joke, and the joke was, yeah, we just made this up, and we're gonna do literally nothing with it, so it kind of didn't get any brain share from me. But, like, is schnep a word? Because maybe that is something. Let's see. Well, nope. <laughs> I'm using the spelling from the closed captioning, and I see nothing. So, I mean, John Schnepp was a American producer, director, voice actor, editor, writer, cartoonist, animator, and cinematographer. So maybe because he was a cartoonist... Let's see, what did he work on? He worked on Nickelodeon, worked on Cartoon Network, Space Co- Ghost, Coast to Coast. Yeah, if he shared any projects with Parker Simmons, that would explain the reference. Yeah, maybe there's a little more digging to do there. Or heck, if he just had any projects that Parker Simmons was really into. So, but But yeah, that would... That would, again, just be a, oh, hey, we made a funny joke, don't think too hard about it, so. I'm willing to oblige. Yeah. That sounds like some deep animator reference that's now surprising that it made it into Mau Mau. I need to know. <laughs> Has someone tweeted at Parker Simmons? We're gonna find out what the Schnepp realm is. Expect reporting again soon. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, at GC13LSS. <laughs> that's right. Whatever the heck my Twitter name is. I don't uh PK David Storm? I don't know. I changed it a while ago. Yep, yeah, according to Twitter.com, that is in fact your profile, David. Yes. Look at how long we've spent <laughs> self-promoting. For the first time plug in three it, it. For the first time in 340 episodes, we mention our Twitter accounts. So the Astral Plane is fantastic, and the Astral Plane song, untitled, is <laughs> the best part of the episode. <laughs> absolutely so loose and improvisational but like in such a crappy way like it it definitely gives that impression of this guy has lost his mind and it just breaks down so fast right he's like here in the astral plane and it's, <laughs> it only takes a few verses for him to start begging for for adorabat to stay yeah, please don't go yeah the way that like immediately rhymes he almost trips into the next line and he's just like it gets so lonely please don't leave <laughs> Yeah, I, I was I was so tickled pink to hear Master Shake's voice actor. I know you uh, were quite pleased to hear another character's voice. Yeah, yeah. The the voice actor of Meditate Melvin also was Gaspacha from Chowder, which is just such a distinct voice. One of those voice actor voices that just follows anywhere. You'll remember it forever. Kind of the, for some reason, I wonder if there's a there should be an English word for this. Like a distinct vocal quality that you can recognize anywhere. I had the same feeling with Ida from 
the Owl House, who apparently hadn't had another voice acting credit that I would have known since The Emperor's New Groove, where she was, I don't remember what the wife's name was, but the wife of uh, Pacha. And it's just like, that voice, boom, I was like, why is this so familiar? She must be a super famous voice actor. But no, just like, that was the last voice credit. So, it happens. I mention it every time, but hearing Brian Posehn as Sour Cream in Steven Universe was very jarring for me at first, because I could <laughs> not unhear Octus for quite some time. Yeah, it definitely goes both ways. Like, some voice actors say it's the greatest compliment for you to, like, not recognize them in work. That would be uh, Mark Hamill, by the way. Right, Mark Hamill's really great at that. I feel like Tom Kenny a lot of times also. Yeah, Tom Kenny is also really good. Yeah, like, you don't necessarily know, oh, that's Spongebob and Ice King, you know. Though that though You wouldn't necessarily think those are the same guy. but. You can kind of tell, though, like, in a lot of the Rick and Morty episodes that he's in, he kind of does similar voices, and you're like, I bet there's going to be a Tom Kenny voice credit at the end. But I I also like it when you do have just that distinct voice that you go on to projects with. Like, it's still entertaining. You don't have to be this super rare talent of, oh, I can do 20 different voices and you can't tell it's me. So I appreciate both. It takes all kinds. Deep, deep Mau Mau lore. There are no piñatas. There are paper mache effigies. I I just I just like to think that piñata is in fact the proper word, but you know, Mau Mau is maybe not the best at having fun. He knows of piñatas, but their uh their deeper lore may perhaps be lost on him. Well, I couldn't I was wondering, you know, when you have like a fantasy world and, you know, you're watching it through a cartoon or whatever, the characters have to speak in whatever language you're used to hearing. But then there's also this problem of them using phrases and, and words and uh, slang from your world and your culture, which used to really get me when I watched Avatar, because Avatar, they made like puns that only make sense in English all the time. And I just thought in that show where like the world building was so much more precise that like inevitably that's what you want to do in the writing because you want to entertain like English audiences. But if you think about what it is and like sometimes in the show, you'll see like Chinese characters and writing everywhere. So you're like, well, technically (laughs) whatever they're speaking, probably they wouldn't have these sayings or whatever. But in Mama's world, I mean, they just kind of use our slang all the time. Pinata's not slang. Pinata is, you know, of Hispanic origin. A loan word. Is it, you know, <laughs> what's the line? Like, if they're going to say, oh, pinatas don't exist because there's no Hispanic culture in their world. Fine. But, like, they reference a lot of American culture still. So, uh, I don't know. But maybe it's just a mouth thing. But it also rubbed off on Adorabat. Now you just got me thinking. We need a fantasy world where everyone talks in, like, 50s era lingo and slang. I just think that would be funny. (laughs) Or heck, even, uh, we could go even more alien than the 50s. We can have a world where everyone is from the 80s. I do, I just forgot the word for it. Um, Lindsay Ellis, YouTuber and author, was talking about, um, I should look up this term. But it's basically, if you're writing in, like, a certain era and you accidentally use words or phrases that aren't from that era, like they're from the future. It's an anachronism? Well, anachronism is right, but it's even more specific to writing where you do this. But anyway, I like the idea that in these cartoons, 
all these usages of words are that. And so, like, you could have some show that's, like, all 50s and weird mixed slang. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of weird things you can do. A medieval fantasy cartoon with monsters and wizards where everything is the bee's knees, daddy-o. I just want it. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I think it's overused that we look at the past and just apply modern slang. Or Shakespearean slang. Right, but what about all the other types? That w- You're right, that would be a weird clash. It's medieval, but it's 50s. Because I totally, uh, Miracle Workers, which I think is on oh, maybe HBO, maybe Amazon Originals. But their second season was all medieval. That's like the Daniel Radcliffe, whoever else is on that show. And, you know, they're just talking in, like, modern slang, which is great. But if they were just like, rat-a-tat-tat, <laughs> watch out, you know. That Do would be not shoot me over here. Do not shoot me over here. <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm doing an amazing voice right now. Bada-bing, bada-boom. We have fun. So besides the fact that Adorabat's body could have been taken to the dentist, except maybe the dentist could have questioned why they were bringing in a, a dead animal. The other thing that seems missed is that the lesson is supposed to be, oh, Adorabat, you shouldn't, you know, avoid pain because it also means avoiding the things you love. So stay here. But in fact, the system they've set up is you should be able to just meditate whenever you want to avoid pain and then come back whenever you want. Yeah, yeah. Go to the go to the dentist, meditate and uh, just come back an hour later, like Betterclops decided to running away from his problems again. Yeah, so I would say the only problem in that plan is if it's not really easy to meditate. Like, if you truly have to shove your fears into your subconscious, that may not be a healthy or easy exercise to do back and forth. Eh, like, I don't know. She, a doorbat she, was legitimately afraid. Yeah, and I'd be terrified if I saw that squirrel coming at me with that drill. And yeah, maybe she could work up being afraid again, and maybe you could keep going through these revelations to go back and forth, but I don't know. Like... The reason Badgerclops achieved it so easily, even though Mamma said only one person had achieved it before Dorbat, is definitely because he's... <laughs> this is his character trait as well. He shoves everything into the back to deal with for later. Yep. He shoves it down, he runs away from his problems, and he was afraid of the dentist in, the, in that moment. So that's three things working in his favor. It's too bad they can't reference these things in other episodes. The utter apathy that Mama was feeling towards Adorabat's pain was very funny, very in character. It's for your own good, and I don't care about uh, how we get there. Uh, he knows it's for the better, and that it'll be over with. And Mama's definitely had to go to the dentist because he's broken all of his teeth before in this show. Yeah, you saw what happened to Meditate and Melvin when he put off his dental work a little too long. I'm surprised he didn't leave his body again. He's just screaming in pain about his soft teeth. Which, by the way, horrible detail. The word soft is one of the worst words to use for teeth. I I, I like to imagine that he was able to call for a dentist to make a house call and then meditate away again. Just to give Meditate and Melvin a happy ending. That's my headcanon. Always make headcanon to make your characters happy. And safe. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why you would use your headcanon to make them sad. That seems mean. (laughs) <laughs> some people do gc some people do <sighs> snonsters well guys i guess that's us on flyaway join us next week until then i'm gc13 and i'm david don't forget to leave us a review on apple podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts
Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.